it's Mike, corporate Mike here, and I got Scott nearby. I'm, I'm here as well. Um, so the Islanders won 7-2 to against the Maple Leafs last night. Um, we haven't been able to watch much hockey. We haven't watched the full game, but we've been watching some of the uh, full game recaps. What was the one that we watched the other day? Uh, we watched Big Win in the third. I can't remember. Yeah, man. here's we're in the Netherlands right now. Um, tour's been great. Uh, we're gonna be home soonish, like two-ish weeks. Islanders look great. I'm. I, I didn't see the hit on Nelson. I'm very curious to see. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was bad. And um, whoever committed the hit should probably be removed from hockey. If not for a couple of years, at least, probably permanently, I think would be fair. So, important thing here is that we hope that Brock is is better in a couple of days. Um, you know, hopefully no brain situation. Many are saying that the committer of the hit should be killed, actually. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, you know, Islanders won last night. Um, and they've been playing really well. I don't know what to say. We're watching the recaps. They look good. They look good without Maddie, and um, you know they they looked good without Nelson in the uh, little recap that I watched as well. I didn't see the hit again. I just watched the goals. Um, I don't know. Tour's great. Islanders are winning. Um, let's go Islanders. I'll be back on the pod soon. Bye. So, you've probably just heard corporate co-host Mike's uh, hit of the of the episode. Like I said to Mike when he sent it to me, um, not his best, but you can't you can't always expect um, Islanders like production out of your depth um, on on this podcast. But what's important here is you know. I, as the host, have been keeping it going. I've been keeping the posting. I've been antagonizing. And we've got a great, great uh, bench, uh, of, uh, a great system, rather, to, to dig into. And for this episode, for episode 54, I don't know any Islanders of 54 vintage, but, uh, or is this 53? This is 53. Oh, this is the Zeker pod. Guest of the pod friend of the pod who is the call of the episode well folks uh if you didn't know your ass better call somebody because rat martin finally makes his appearance on the 3d island podcast uh very excited to be here right now on the pod uh with the des dog here and uh yeah if you don't know i'm rat martin on twitter uh post a lot of memes you know content very through the island adjacent i say a that uh we share a poster soul um among the better posters here on islanders twitter i guess your mileage kind of varies on that but uh yeah super excited to be on tonight um just how about these islanders like i, I know we normally start our podcast either saying how about these islanders or starting to get into the issues but how about these islanders uh a lot of great games to cover here a lot of great times to have a lot of great performances some questions but we're gonna have uh we're gonna have some fun tonight we are we are um you know and yeah uh skates at the stakes very good pod. You guys are very prolific. Uh, uh, while we do share a, a poster heart, uh, y'all are of the younger vintage. You have you have the legs to uh, to post more, to record more. Um, but you know that's where 
you were on Isles Anxiety. You're, you're on Weird Islanders, right? Yep, we are now uh, Weird Islander Eskimo Brothers here. Nice, uh, as nice. We both, that's right. Uh, as we've both recorded uh, Weird Islanders podcast, Desmond's episode was actually how I found the podcast, even though I listened to Isles Anxiety for years since I was in high school. But I didn't even know about Weird Islanders, so I heard Desmond go on. And then I was uh, in Hawaii at the time as a De- uh, Devin, Desmond serenaded me uh, listening to, I think, what was it? Six Russian Islanders was your appearance? It was uh, it was uh, disgruntled European Islanders or something like that. It was, it was all guys that that did not want to come to the Islanders, but various different uh, paths. But yeah, you're you know, you know, you've been on you've been in the Isles Anxiety uh, corner of the um, Isles uh, podcast universe. You're here now, you know, they're kind of the the jet the gentlemanly scholars of of the Isles podcast universe. Like I said, y'all are the young ones, and we're the identity pod. Uh this is we'll we'll get into the ugly corners that that some people don't want us. We're somewhere between Parise and uh I would say uh Clutterbuck Zeker. Um but uh happy to have you on the pod. Um it has been uh it's been a it's been a couple of weeks i uh as everybody knows mike's been on tour my band had a little mini tour just a couple dates a couple weeks ago um and we like to you are the prolific pod so is uh isles anxiety there once a week we're the we're the vibes pod we happen as as our lives kind of coalesce and where it makes sense and uh so in the the last episode was right before that Detroit home game. Um, in that time, they've gone six and two. Um, and I mean, it's, 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 you've got a lot of different, uh, part of what I like about doing it, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, I guess, uh, abbreviated or, or in, infrequently is that we kind of have a larger body, um, to work from, which is what I, I tend to like analyzing. How do you feel about the, uh, the, this little stretch, this basically spanning pretty much, well, it is literally the month up till now of March. Awesome. Yeah, no, March is the best month of the year for me and also the New York Islanders so far. Like this has been an awesome stretch. It's been a really good team performances, a lot of early goals, which gets frustrating, but it seems like the script is written for every game and we keep following it to a T. Um, not every game. There's, there's been some clunkers in there, obviously, but you know, the script was written. We were going into the month on this crazy playoff race with six or seven teams and it's windled itself down to us and the other three and we're in front of the pack here. So I'm feeling good. I mean, like some just great wins that we're going to, you know, we're all going to remember Hudson fashion against Buffalo and then the man of a million Zachs who keeps coming up big, but you know, just uh, I know Desmond's always high on the Islanders hopium like me. Just for the people who believed in this team, I think you feel vindicated by this month after everything they've been able to accomplish here. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I've been uh, we've been very much on the um, team. Uh, everybody fucking relax. Uh, everybody wave their white flags after what was it? Um, they went like what one and three or. One yeah, something like one in three, two. and then in January they went crazy bad. Like there, there's been runs where I've got in the you know Desmond's famous uh, trade Sorokin, like those heads going in on Twitter, and it, it was absolutely preposterous going into like that kind of pre-trade deadline period. But everyone's mellowed out, everyone's taking the chill pill as we all should have, and the team's coming up in March. Yeah, no, it's it's been. I will say it's it's like I feel 
simultaneously vindicated in in my demeanor and general perspective of this team. However, I will say it's like the way they've gotten to this point is so strange. And I mean, you know, even looking at these past uh, eight games, the stories of them are quite a bit different. And and this really does feel like, knock on wood, let's, you know, they haven't clinched yet. I, I'm feeling good, especially with how the, the pens are looking real stinkalicious. Um, I feel like this is maybe one of the more random good Islander seasons, but um, this pat it feels like the mix of uh, the, the Horvat and Engvall trade has just given the Islanders a depth that, um, you know, has given, has, has put everybody into place where not, not, no one's really playing over their head. Obviously the Barzal injury affected things a bit, but it's like, this is the, I would say this is the, this block of, of time has probably been the most Islanders hockey, hockey that we've seen out of the Islanders this year. Um, and I guess, you know, um, we don't, you know, this is a, this is the, the free skate pod. So we don't necessarily go game by game, but we, 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 you know, flashpoints. I want to say, um, the Buffalo game felt like that felt like uh, I would say the first game where I felt like, okay, I think, I think they're really starting to put it, to put it together and to like bend, not break, I guess, basically. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd say the Buffalo game, you could even go farther back to that. I think third Pittsburgh game at this point is when they started to really like turn it around and they're not playing, you know, the way, trots hockey gets depicted by the national people and everything was the islanders were down 40 to 18 on shots every night and one this has been very like islanders playoff hockey resembling like the flyer series um the capital series where the shot totals are close we're playing a competitive game against these teams we're even winning like you know i i don't want to shout out xg but you know xg is basically just shots on goal so we're basically coming close every night on shots on goal and then we come out late and win because you know i don't want to be the intangibles guy here but islanders culture like this team wants it they want to get there um you know the voices in the room are definitely being heard and a lot of progression on the younger guys i know you shouted out the the trades they made for horvat and Engvall, which is awesome but like look at look at fashion like look at a guy like simon holmstrom kind of alexander romanov these guys weren't on the islanders the last go around but they're hungry they're driven and they're coming out and giving 100 percent every night for sure and i i mean the the it's it, it's what we've been saying all along it's actually one of the things that i said um, the, the episode that we did after the Tampa series, which is that like, I, I believe in this team, like generally, however, the, there's going to be a, a need for uh, getting younger and getting faster and being able to, being able to hang. You can't, you can't uh, like the, the, the fact that the, the depth scoring has been up and the, both the depth is good and he's been cold lately having an actual number one center, Bo Horvat, having a, like a battery for your first line in Horvat and Barzell when everyone's healthy. It just, it changed the complexion. Cause the thing is, it's like the Islanders winning those two, one games. It's important to be able to do that. Cause that's what the playoffs often become. 
But part of why the Islanders sometimes look gassed down the stretch of some of those trots years was it's fucking exhausting playing two one games all the fucking times. And and last year it was like shows the margin of errors. What happens when the two one flips? You know, like the when you're on the wrong end of the two two one games. And and uh, but yeah, I mean, so like specifically that that Sabers game, I was. Uh, that was uh, one of the dates we were, we were having shows, and I was watching it on. Were you at the game? No, I was watching uh, the ESPN broadcast that night, uh, the infamous one. Oh no! Was it? Was it? It was a. It was a bad one. Was it Bucci? Was it Bucci on the call? No, not Bucci with the marinara sauce. Uh, it was. Um, that was the one. I think the actual call was fine. The like actual in-game call, but that was the one where they cut to Subban in the booth and uh, uh, he was doing the sleeping bit. Uh, just in the in the nineteen like forties, that would have killed. That that yeah. been so good. But it was just it was just silent like, film as a silent film. It would have <laughs> rocked. Yeah, yeah. Where you show a whole period of boring hockey, maybe a Simpsons bit, and then the commentators are falling asleep. That that would be pretty good. Holds then, it. Holds it. Holds it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, it's it's just like that was so lame. And then they wound up winning a pretty good game on um, Fashinio. Fashion kind of need the puck into the net, which was awesome stuff. I I, did, I thought it wasn't gonna be a goal on the ice, but like, just awesome that game. Re- really fun vibes. Um, it, and that was yeah, yeah. No, just like those big scary teams. Like they played Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa. Like they were presented to us as these like world beater juggernauts, ready to come out of their rebuilds. And we just kind of shoved them back in the lockers. Yeah, I mean, those are those are you know those are fan bases to varying degrees. Obviously, not the same that have been waiting a while for their teams to turn the corner, and they put together better seasons. That this is the longest either of those teams, the latest either of those teams have been competitive into a season. So it's not entirely unfounded. However, it it is the I think that the the Islanders are boring. The Islanders are boring. The Islanders are boring. Talk is one because. The the like the hockey media watches Detroit and Buffalo more. They care more about those franchises than they care about the Islanders. So the assumption of calling them boring and that it's the same fucking there's no like the reason Sorokin is having the year that he's having is because they're they are not boring and that's not particularly a compliment. That's that's a, a sentiment of this has been an, a more open team, uh, a more chaotic team than anybody has has been giving them credit for. But that Buffalo game, like that Buffalo game felt like, okay. I mean, it, it's nice. Like be, beating Detroit, okay, don't got to worry. And, and like seeing that game, I was like, we don't got to worry about this team. And then with Buffalo, that was like, that was a tight as fuck game. And, uh, and you know, getting, getting that goal from Fashing was just, uh, it, it's wild to me the, 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 uh, the dramatics about like people ta- acting as if this was remotely close to a kick. It, it, it wasn't it, the, the entire thing about kicking motions has been the skate itself making contact with the puck. It, it, it like for the longest time, everything else is considered a redirection. Like I, I don't, I don't understand it, but I think again, that's just, you know, people wanting the, the Sabres to get it. And what, what I, what I, 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 what I don't get is this dissonance between the Islanders are boring. The Islanders are boring. The Islanders are boring, which even if like, whatever, take that as value of, of like what they're saying is that the Islanders are playing tight games. 
that's what playoff that's what playoff hockey is and and the thing about the sport is always that the playoffs are the best playoffs in all of sport because of that tightness and there's this like dissonance it's just that you don't want the islanders to be that yeah absolutely like i listened to the jeff merrick show the other day and there was a pittsburgh game uh probably gonna be forgotten the annals time here but ottawa's goalie winds up making 48 saves and oh what a great game that was so much fun to watch that 2-1 hockey game but then when it's Ilyas sorokin being the best goalie in the world like i i don't think you can really deny it on skill at this point probably not going to get win the Vesna because it's like a most value. It isn't like a most valuable goalie. It's like just best, uh, which voters are probably going to pick the Boston guy, Olmark. But like, if you look at it, like we have to go through Dobson's adventures in the back end, like there's stuff happening in these Islanders games. Like if you look at the scores every night and expected goals and stuff, like it winds up being pretty tight. Like it, it winds up being pretty high event hockey. It's just, you have the best goalie in the world stopping one or two of those goals because he's, the best like it it's undeniable at this point i don't yeah i i'm just i'm like so confused as to why it, i mean it's a thing that i said about the hockey not selling itself well is that like it's in football like okay football jj watt is able to be like one of the biggest name players and he's a defensive player because the way the media and like and the culture of of football like fandom amplifies that and uplifts that and i don't understand in hockey why when that is such a a like constant part of the game why that is treated like the anti-hockey shit as if when you call defensive hockey anti-hockey you are basically ensuring that people are never going to enjoy hockey because it, it usually ends up coming down to playing like that and i just fucking don't understand it but Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's such a cell phone. And even on goalies, like I remember I'm a, I'm a little younger than you here, but I remember growing up and like the way the NHL wound up marketing goalies is so much different now ever since, I guess, the analytics revolution. I mean, it's not really a revolution because I feel like they're wrong on most of the stuff. But ever since the analytics revolution where, you know, goalies are kind of replaceable players and the big sexy markets are going with, you know, a goalie backup of Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, um, you know, you kind of pull into that. But I remember growing up like Hasek was a he was a rock star Brodor, uh you know rock star even though you know you look at his stats now and it's kind of like a lot of a lot of great defensive rum Hank was an absolute rock star like the league's treatment of these guys like a decade ago was like okay this is the guy that's on the ice all the time he's winning or losing the game this I, is your yeah. goal I remember when I, I, I remember when I started well oh, go go continue no no you're good I was wrapping up oh because I remember I remember when I started watching to your point like I started watching I mean, like the first season I remember, I was a little kid, but it was like the 96, 97 season. So like you, you had Hashik, you had Brodeur, you had Wah, but you 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 had like guys like Van Beesbrook and Richter and Belfour uh, and, and Curtis Joseph, like Olaf Kolzig. You had like so many of, of these um, franchises had the like the goalie. Whenever there's a national broadcast, it'd be brought up. And just in general, the, the presentation of the sport. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, it's it's asinine to me. But to to tie it to the next game in, in the chain, um, that that Penguins game, again, this shit's not boring. Like, like the Islanders got behind because they're not playing tight defense. Another one of these fucking games where how many like Penguins goals 
are there's like four at least four bodies between the two teams that are aligned in front of the net um but you know sure enough five minutes to go the rise of fashing just another goal and then i believe that was brock uh, no, no that was anders on the tying goal yep anders tying it was Leah tying and brock winning and, the, and then the, the brock winner it's it's just like again the the fact that the self the the self own the self tell that you don't watch this team is like that they that they they have such wild swings like that 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 overtime winner against the uh, the Penguins is like the coolest end of a of a regular season game that I can Islander regular season game that I can remember in the longest time just the the Sorokin poke check or you know swinging pass deflection setting up Brock just like I'm it it's so exciting it, and it's it's like to me you can make the argument that they're I think earlier in the year I wouldn't say that they were necessarily exciting they were definitely more uh more exciting or more I mean there's more more event oriented than than the trots years but like it wasn't I, I would say it was kind of mushy middle for the most part. They were kind of being carried by Sorokin's strong performance plus, you know, one of Brock or or Lee or Barzell having a good game, some combination of those. But but now, um, now they're they're getting more scoring, and they're it does seem like while they're tightening up defensively and maybe it's just, maybe it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to like shooting percentages over time. Is it maybe just that they were shooting like shit in January and December. And now this, now things are, you know, kind of coming back, coming back around. I don't know, but it, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, this team is now starting to find it's, it's tightened up defensively, but I trust, uh, they had some counter, like they were good at counter punching in the Trouts era, but like they don't, they, they they never really cooked the way this team cooks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like this team is, you're right on the shooting percent. I mean, like I remember looking early in the season, Brock was at a uh, 25% shooting and everyone liked the pre-progression. I was like, yeah, maybe it'll just stay like this for the rest of the year. It didn't. January was hard. It, it hit everyone at the same time, but by the end of the year, like, We've kind of worked back up. The only guy who I think has been like a constant the whole year and probably the most appreciated Islander by most fans is Parise. Um, You know, he's just been able to keep cooking the whole year. But you're exactly right. Like to have that counter punch in your back pocket where the team's able to, you know, turn something out, nothing. Or, well, it's not really a like fast break. They're just able to get set up in the zone, score a nice goal, move on. It's not like the trots years where you have like Philpola throwing it right in the middle and like, uh, getting tipped in or you're not going to have like someone come up from or I guess you are going to have someone come up from the age from time to time but like you're not going to just like you know be relying on like the Derek Broussards and stuff in your top six it's just up and down the lineup guys are contributing which is really nice like it, it's it's an uncanny feeling and I you know you look at the roster right now this team I think this is going to be an Islander team they have to make the playoffs. They can't fall off crazy on the end here. But, like, this is going to be an Islanders team where you're going to go through the roster top to bottom and maybe besides uh, Kiefer Bellows 
And then depending on mileage, I know you have different mileage on this, but Anthony Beauvillier, but you're going to look through this lineup and you go, that guy was in New York Islanders. I like that guy. He's my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I liked Bo. He just, he, he, he had out, he had out um, priced and outlived his, his, his val his on ice value, I think to the team, but yeah, I mean that, that this is a team that it, we're now seeing like, I, I think this has been the beginning of the Lane Lambert Islanders. The, we do have to touch on a little bit of the negatives here, which is that, that, you know, the, the Washington and LA, LA sleepers were just, Washington was a sleeper. LA was a just disintegration, but it, it does seem like they're, they're still prone to situations like that where just they're, they're doomed by, by a rough like five minutes and, if if Ilya doesn't make the save above expected in that five minute gap, like okay, you know, in in last night's game, if he doesn't make the save on Gustafson, that could become a Washington type game, and it it seems like they have um, games like that, games like the Washington game where it was just it felt like they were either maybe gassed or just just didn't they played down to the competition, and then the LA game where just that that beginning of second period they just lost it but in in both instances i felt those were see in both instances they were burn the tape games to me but like it's it's not it's not good to have back-to-back burn the tape games yeah absolutely i mean washington was like that was the deserved loss like you guys did so much this week uh from detroit to buffalo to pittsburgh that if you guys lose this game i'm not going to complain they got ran out of the building uh, i believe that was the varley start in there um, I'm not totally sure. I know it's been like of the past, like six and two, I think seven had been Ilya and then one was Varley. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. Uh, but yeah, Varley was like, it, I was like, whatever, that's fine. Like you can lose to Washington. They kind of waved their white flag. We don't really have to focus on them too, too much. But then like that Kings game, the Kings, you know, where we do did kind of give Lane Lambert hockey a little bit of credit for being a little deconstructed. Like it, it is chaotic at points. The Kings just play total chaos hockey. Like they're just running up and down the ice, shooting from everywhere, trying to get as many opportunities as possible. And then just two stupid, stupid penalties there. Like Matt Martin had the ultimate like dumb dad guy, like pissed off his son got hit or something because he just threw his helmet at that. Yeah. That is just a totally brain dead move. Yeah. And I, I mean, that was a reminder that like, see, because with LA, like it is, the this is not kind of like like what was predicted in the in the off season, which is that like successful Lane Lambert hockey was probably not going to be one one eighty, especially considering the roster. Like it wasn't going to be a completely different thing. And with that in mind, some of the weaknesses of the Trots era are there in that like a, a, playing a team like like the Kings if they're not on their shit, and especially if they're not disciplined the the youth and the speed advantage of those teams is going to beat them to pucks and it's going to be a long fucking night like and and that is uh that's kind of the thing that you still worry about but i i think i don't know i i i wonder if that was just uh they they all had a shit game all at once kind of kind of thing but uh you know, I, I, I'm glad the, the vibes were, were absolute ass after that game. Absolute ass. Like, it's annoying that we have, we have quote unquote fans that are just like 
they're waiting. It's it, it's almost like they have the the self-loathing, pity, self-pity um shit on lock in their drafts. You know, it's like it it's unbelievable. Well, I feel like they just want to like be the kind of special person on the night. Like they've been waiting for these guys to kind of fall back a bit because, you know, they've just either they've grown sick of this team um, where they're just kind of like sick of seeing the same guys all the time, blow it up. Or they just like think that in their head, they're just like super geniuses, mega brain worms. But like, it, it's so annoying just to see all these people have the ammunition. Like, this is why you can't pay a goalie $9 million a year. The second after the team's losing, I was like, do you process emotions? Like, do you have like, how, is this how people like cope like with stuff like this where I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna go play a video game or, you know, call my friends, call a girlfriend or something. And then like these people are just like, okay, to the Twitter fingers I go. Like, I can understand like, you know, blowing up happy, like taking your victory lap when they win, but taking their victory lap when they lose while you're also like paying $200 a year for tickets and buying the new Bo Horvat jersey. It's just psycho shit, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, and it was just one of those things where I was just like, I can't, I remember like, after that King's loss, I just remember thinking to myself, like, they really, they really need to, to, to turn this thing around, because like, or they need to lock this shit in, because like, I'm going to be so fucking livid if the people that have been rooting against the Islanders on Islanders Twitter get to like do some sort of I told you so joy rain dance like it's 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 like the vibe going into that Anaheim game especially just because it was like okay Anaheim game they suck and Gibson is 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 overcooked and it was just like oh please don't be like it's the one time John Gibson looks good since Obama left office or something type type moment but uh now they, they they put the whoop in N, so I think uh, it's interesting. We're doing a little bit of fusion here. We're talking about the players as we go over the games. I like it. I like it. Uh, in the Anaheim game, that was the beginning of what uh, I'm calling, and a lot of people actually I've heard them talk, calling it. Many are saying it. Many are saying insanity. Um, where uh, the the really handsome the handsome goat um, he did score the fluky goals in the in the. Uh, in the Washington game, well, had the the fluky goal in the Washington game. He did have a a, a back outright goal in the Kings game, and then that Anaheim game was like that second line, that second line with with Nelson and Paul Mary had a command of the game. But in particular, watching him skate up, watching watching him get zone entries, it's like all right, I think. Uh, I think Bud Lightleyman uh, refers to him as Giga six five Giga Chad Beauvillier, and and I see it, but I also think he's a little, maybe I think a little bit uh, more, not, not not necessarily naturally skilled. I think maybe he just has a little bit better hockey sense, mm-hmm. a little softer, maybe a little softer than little than softer. Bo. He he's a gazelle out there. Like uh, everyone in Toronto called him the giraffe, but he's really been a gazelle for us because. He's a really smart forechecker. That's the one thing I noticed the most about watching him play, where he never throws that big hit into the boards that, like, you know, Cal Clutterbuck will do. He's keeping his head up. He's trying to win a poke check up the ice and then find a teammate. And, like, you know, it was really nice to see Pierre break out. Like, 
he looks like the Giga Chad, and there's this one funny picture of him holding up a blank sign that I've just repurposed over and over again because it's very funny. Uh, but yeah, no, I really, I really like Pierre so far. He's been one of our friends. I hope that we're able to keep him around. He's able to keep this up. Uh, last night, we'll get into it, but he wasn't playing most of the game because of the Brock situation. Uh, but like, you know, that Anaheim game was just complete dominance. We looked so good. And it was like a 1030 game. Everyone stayed up. We would have been livid if we went to bed, like, you know, two straight losses, season starting to slip away to the Kings and the Ducks. But that's when you got to have and they were able to take it. Yeah, I, I that was that was such a big I mean, Palmieri with four, four points. And and as we this is a, a Palmieri truther pod, I believe. I believe skates at the stakes is also on, on that wave as well. Correct. That's right. Yeah. No, our Italian friend, Kyle Palmieri. I mean, I, I love palms. Like it, it's just like waiting for him to break out, but it's, it's really the thing where you're able to determine, like, it's not like the people before the year that were comparing him to Andrew Ladd were driving me insane. Cause the guy has such good hockey sense. It's just the shots like going like the shot left him, but he can still play smart hockey. The contract's not bad. He's only here for, I think after next year. And then like, you know, he's had his tenure as an Islander played really good. You don't go from being like a top 20 wing in the NHL to like a terrible player. Like, and he still has flashes, but like consistently game to game palms is just doing the smart thing and always like playing good hockey Really enjoyable player to watch. I'm happy with him. I think him on the second line is completely fine. Um, here's one for you, uh, Eberle or Palms. Where you at on that at this point? I mean, I mean, the thing is, Palmieri. I I I like. I think I like Palmieri's style of play, and I I, I think Palmieri is a guy that uh, the way he plays and the way he gets goals is like makes him much more of a threat in the playoffs. Like Everlay had his big moments, but he didn't have much in between. I rewatched, uh, I rewatched the uh, uh, YouTube comp, whenever I work from home, every, not every time, but every so often I rewatch the goals from that playoff run. Yeah. And like he had, you know, he had like the, the overtime one on against Pittsburgh, but he had just a lot of goals, period, like throughout that uh, in, and in a lot of different ways. And, you know, with Palmieri, I think so. I think I, I lean there just because uh, I also think because I, I don't think his shot has left him. I just think that that uh, for whatever reason, he's not part of it is he hasn't been utilized the same here that he was in um, in New Jersey. Um but uh, and the other part of it is, is he's had a, a couple brain situations uh, this year, so I feel like getting back into the rhythm. But like he is one of the few Islanders that every time every time he he has like a possession, he uh, he tries something. I like like he 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 tries to make these little moves out of the corner, or uh, like he's one of the few guys that that I, I feel. Um, has vision and has like moxie to actually try things. Um, it does bite him in the ass sometimes, sometimes. And, and also I think uh, on the penalty kill, he's, he's, he's what, when he had to, you know, pitch in when Pajot was out and whatnot, he was able to like make do, but he, he is a God awful defensive player in his own end. Like I, I I'm not sure. I, I've only picked up on it recently, but like, the amount of times he just doesn't like notice people getting open 
and or it just doesn't get a puck out is it, it's it's quite common and it's just uh but because he's one of the few islanders that actually can pick a corner like can can choose where to shoot a puck i uh i cut him a lot of slack where are you on the ebbs versus palms I think I was always kind of like a palms guy since he got here. Just was very excited. Like if you're going to give up your first round pick for a guy, why not be in the bag for him? Um, that, That's always been my perspective on whenever the Islanders get someone like, you know, we're never going to get that first round pick back. So this guy better be pretty good here. And I'm just going to kind of like ride with them. And then palms, you know, the end of that first regular season, kind of similar to Horvat. Now he got some goals to begin in, then he slowed down a bit. Um, and then in the playoffs, he just lit back up and in Boston series, he was like the player of the series, you know, he was absolutely incredible. Um, so that was wonderful. And then, you know, Ebbs love Gary, but like he fell asleep all, all the time and it was just like long stretches without goals. And especially in the playoffs until like game six, I feel like he'd never, he didn't really contribute much that last year, a crazy amount. I don't know if I'm crazy for saying that. No, no, it's, it, he, he, he did not in the trots era, he only um, scored at a 50-point over 82-game pace uh, once. Yeah, I think something like that. And he wasn't really compatible with Barzal, so you got to move on, try something else. Palmieri made sense to at least try him to see if he's compatible with Barzal. But then, like, we've kind of hit the point now where we've all been le- we've all learned the lesson. Like, And it, this lesson might change as time goes on, but, like, Barzal, you know, I'm, I take my victory lap sometimes that he's more of a winger than a center. I always thought that, and I'm happy to be a little proven right by just kind of how that first line looked without, with and without bars all so far. Like it was just awesome with him, and now it's uh, it's kind of dried up a bit. But I'm fully confident once he comes back, him and Horvat are gonna be laying shit up again for the next couple of years. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I always thought Barzal was a winger, just natural skill set. You know, really fast. For sure, for sure. I and I mean, well, it, it's one of those things where, and especially being fucking god awful. At faceoffs, it, it's almost like he 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 somehow got worse at faceoffs this year, and it's almost like I wonder if he was uh, he was basically uh, reverse psychologying his way into a or he, he was he was hinting. I'm dropping hints that I want to be a winger. I want you to get a first line center. Absolutely, like we when they put Pedro or Sazikas on the first line to be in the year, he wound up with like three goals in three games on the wing, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Like it's it's a proven commodity at this point. You might as well try it. Uh, but then they moved him back to center, and it's just like, are we gonna keep taking shots at like two, three, six million dollar wingers to play with Barzal, or are we just gonna try him on the wing? And he'll be a you know a luxury winger, obviously, but like damn good player might as well try it plays he plays a very similar uh style to to mitch marner um and and horvat um plays a, a fairly similar to a guy that someone that i used to know oh we'll so get to him in a minute they uh the the stylistic um compliment is there it was just a, a matter of seeing if if it would happen like if if barzell was going to be willing to move to the wing and and uh it seems like this is a, you know, um, it's a testament to Barzell that he's there. He's been their guy. He's stuck with the team. And he's also, like, been down to play. Been down to, we're tightening up under trots. All right, cool. Let's do it. Fine. I'll try it. I'll try it. Like, oh, okay, uh, you got this guy. No, I'll be the winger. He's he's really good at faceoffs. He's really good in front of the net. He can be the same like there's no there's no you know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of ego out of out of barzell um 
at all for the swag, especially for the amount of swagger that he has. Yeah, exactly. And he re-upped here for like ever because he just kind of, you know, maybe it was from a place of spite for uh, someone I used to know. But like it, it just wound up being, especially with the $9.1 million cap hit. Uh, but like it, it just wound up being so like cool of him to, I guess there you can look at a guy like Elias Peterson on Vancouver who's just like an awesome hockey player. But if at this point in their careers, would you rather trade a couple, you know, 85, 90 point seasons on a team that never really went anywhere uh, besides a bubble run for Vancouver? And then they went to like the depths of hell and Bruce Boudreau and everything like that uh, with the jerseys on the ice on a nightly occurrence, which we'll get into jersey on the ice. because yeah, I was fucking yeah. sick. Uh, and yeah, uh, but no, would you rather be that guy having these great seasons, all stars and everything? Or would you be Matt Barzal, who, you know, took his production down a level to play the style of hockey that's going to get you to a conference final? So it's really it's really the thing. And now with Horvat, he could play the style of hockey he has to play right now and be unleashed. So excited for him to get healthy. I really miss Barzi. Yeah, and, and you know, it was uh, it's it's been apparent on the power play how much they miss him. Um, the uh, the Just to touch briefly on the game, I'm sure we'll get onto some of the um, associated ongoings of, of the Sharks game. But, uh, you know, the, the, with the exception that, that first power play unit without Barzell has looked for the most part, pretty lost. Um, second unit in that, in that Sharks game got, uh, got a goal from our friend, Ryan Pulak, who's needed, who's needed that, um, quite badly. And, uh, and, and I think, I feel like he's he's. Uh, I feel like this month really, it looks like he's been trying to jump in a bit more, get more pucks on net, try to activate his offense a little bit more. I'm not sure what that is exactly, but uh, I think it's because he's playing with Rom at this point. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the Roman Reigns guy. Like I love Romanov. You're he's, yeah, he's you're a day one. You're you're I'm day, day one, one with him. Day one ish Rom dog. Yeah, so I remember, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast like six or seven years ago, and they were like, oh, there's this weird kid coming out of Russia, Alexander Romanov, and he had like crazy production during the World Juniors, and also, but then he went and played in the KHL and de- barely did anything, like, but he was playing in the KHL at like 18, and I was like, okay, that's fucking sick, like, so he has offensive talent, someone just has to unlock it, or he can go on offensive spurts. So then, um, you know, one of my favorite teams is the Habs, so I always watch the Canadians. They're kind of like our spiritual brothers up north uh, in terms of dynasties and stuff, and they always show goodwill to the Islanders. One of the few NHL teams that seems to show us a lot of respect, but I would watch a lot of those uh, Habs games in the bubble year, and I was like, wow, this kid's going to be, like, pretty good if he gets, like, a full 60. He would always have, like, one or two good periods, and he would lose it for one. But then, like... You know, he comes to Long Island. We give up a very valuable asset, I guess, even though I'm a prospect hater for life. Like, just fuck kids. Fuck them. Um, yeah, but like... Fuck them, kids. Yeah, hate the kids. I really, like, you know, I don't root for his success at all, the kid that we trade. But, yeah, so we trade the kid for Romanov. And at first, it's like, in my head, Romanov Dobson. It's going to work. Romanov Dobson. You're going to put the scoring guy with the defensive guy. But they're both young guys, and they weren't able to put it together right away. So they're floating all over the lineup. And now you hit the point where Romanov's playing with Pulak and it seems like it's got that kind of like Pelican Pulak energy a little bit where I think over the past like eight games or past 10 games, they're both like plus 15 out there where they're just like this dynamite pairing where 
you know, anything can happen in front of them because they got your back covered. And it lets Pulak in that situation. Well, they're both kind of like on the same-ish offensive talent. I know Pulak has that slap shot, but like, you know, to Romanov's weak-ass slap shot, um, but also pretty good like skating and speed abilities. Where it is kind of like that Pelik-Pulak pairing. It lets Adam play somewhere else in the lineup where he could be helping someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Romanov, uh, yeah, he he does feel like, He's arrived. I I was very uh, I was I was pretty concerned honestly early on just because not not concerned of like oh this guy's never gonna be something, but I was like okay how much of a project is this gonna be because it kept feeling like you know first month of season he's in a like he he's a, a high event or he can be a high event player and uh, you know it's it's uh, it was he'd have a nice hit. And then, you know, he'd fucking miss. He'd somehow lose track of uh, on the cycle. Always on the cycle. Transitions, he'd be fine. On the cycle, he'd seem to get psyched out or he'd lose focus or, or poise. But uh, so I was, con- I kept being concerned because it just, it kept being the same thing. And that, that was like, could be Lane, could be Romanov, could be both. Any of those is bad. For 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 the the pieces that that moved around to facilitate this, but uh, it's his he has he has his skating has he has been so much more noticeable that I think the I think it was in the Sharks game where there was that like there's a, a loose puck in the slot that he just like deked stick handled out and then skated out and I was like where I didn't know he had that capability. Um, that was the thing, right? Like, I know you have different mileage for uh, Zdeno here, but he's he's probably my least favorite Islander of my lifetime, just Carl last year. But it's just, it was literally going from the black and white scenes of the Wizard of Oz to color, like seeing a defenseman who could skate on your middle pairs. And just like that was such like an appreciated bump for me. But now he's using that skating to both de- generate offense and break up defense. Just really talented. I even ran a poll on the Skates and Stakes Twitter today. I don't know if you saw that, but got a couple hundred votes. And he, you know, I asked who's the most, what young Islanders defenseman are you most excited about, Romanov or Dobson? Because it came to my mind last night at the game. And Romanov pretty much won in a wash. I mean, poll bias there because I'm always pumping the guy's tires, but I think yeah. it was like 60 40. I think there's a bit of recency bias there. But, but like, so, I mean, and to that point, like Romanov, He's he's learned how like one of the keys of defense, professional defense, is being good at playing suppressing events. Some would call that boring. I think it takes a lot of craft and strength to be a good defenseman. Um, and and Romanov, whatever it is, what and I, honestly, uh, Pulak Pulak playing with him, I think. It's not just like stylistically that there's some complimenting there. Um, cause Pulak can be a bit of a rough skater, but I, I do feel like they're both strong skate, like they have strong skating styles. You know what I mean? Um, with, with, uh, you know, Romanov and, and, and Dobson, we, like you said, we were like, that's going to be it. And I've said before, I think it, the, the style makes sense, but the timing wasn't right because they both are have to figure out who they are, like how they're going to be um, the player that they're going to be at the pro level um, consistently and learning together is not good. It's good to have a, a pro. And I think Pulak with Romanov of like, 
Bullock had to make adjustments. Not they weren't the same player, but he he's had to make adjustments from how he played in in juniors in his development to to the player he is at the pros. And I think being able to have that if you're Romanov, like uh um you know, if he feels like he's failing at the person he's supposed to be, Kulak is there to kind of instruct him on you always fail on the person you're supposed to be. It's time to figure out who you are. Um, he, uh, like, I, I think I think that energy has been great. Dobson, I don't think has had, like, I think part of Dobson's dip here is that he's simultaneous. It's new system um, being relied on more. Um, from the jump, like being expected to, like, there's no Trot's doghouse. Like we have day one expectations of you to like be very huge for this, to be a large son for this franchise. Um, and, and, uh, and he doesn't have like Andy Green, I think was so crucial for his development just to be, just to get, just to break the lineup consistently in a Trot's um, system. And, uh, and he doesn't have that now. And it, it's tricky, though, because in in needing Dobson to be more, you then need a, a better defenseman than when he came in. Very great third-pair shutdown defenseman, Andy Green. Like, you need a, a better defensive guy there, which is part of why, like, would like to see them do dobson Pellick. Um, but part of me feels like one, I, I, I think, I think they're letting Mayfield walk um, just because I think the money's going to be too tight for all the things that they, that they need to do this summer, next summer and the summer after it. Like there's just not the money when you have guys like Bulldog that, that seem good. When you have guys like Aho who before his, uh, his uh, uh, brain situation occurred, was like looking like okay, this is a Nick. This is the Nick Letty replacement. Like, you know, third. If we keep third pair, power play for entries, um, you know, survive. But a pro defenseman like Aho's that Mayfield's going to get at least four. I think Islanders can't can't give him that. Um, so I think next year you'll 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 see Dobson Pallick. But I think for now, if this is the end of Mayfield, maybe they're thinking the best use of him is we're having that Mayfield Pellick pure shutdown pair. Like, and that's what we're gonna try to ride with. Um and because of that, Dobson is is the odd man out playing with, like I said, Aho or or Bulldog or or um, you know, Watherspoon, although he hasn't played in about 10 years, but has just been chilling on the bench. Um, yeah, he is the best seat in the house. I mean, is he the most to be there? Yeah, I agree on Mayfield. I still have that sinking feeling that they're going to find a way to bring him back. Like, I, I don't know if Scotty's really about the money here. Um, I think maybe he might just, uh, he might take like one of those long blue deals where it's like five years, but a $3 million cap hit. But then like, if you look at it, he makes like an extra $3 million because he signed for term or something. But yeah, no, he's going to be a hot commodity around the league if he wants to leave. And I think exactly what you said, like next year, you could probably step in and do like a Dobson Pellick type thing and then a Pulak um, Romanov type thing and to see where it leaves you. And uh, then that third pair, third pair, you can get experimental. You could get a little keeper there. 
Um, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with Scotty, but you know, while he's here, I'm going to enjoy it. The whole experience, uh, you know, the penalties uh, and the icings to like that rare, like him. Gonna enjoy, I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy every cross check, you know, just, know. Just, just a compilation, a compilation, of a see you again, his return video to the, to, to UBS is uh see you again uh, from the, the uh, fast and furious movie. And it's just him cross-checking in the playoffs absolutely like, all-time yeah. mashup and hopefully whenever we play him if he signs like you know seven by seven in anaheim or something crazy <laughs> you know i uh, hope it'll save some of those cross checks but you know he's he's he loved it here he has loved it here to say i guess he's you know he's an island guy and yeah that that's kind of my number one rule with all islanders like as long as you love being here i'm gonna love you um and he's you know dedicated to it he's become a long islander loves it you know, like for all the, you know, hockey culture being up its own ass, the room, intangibles, uh, they're like the Islanders are the, are a team that like, frankly, do prove it like quite, quite often. Like a lot of parts of this, like show these guys love being here. The the, the deal that Sezikis took when he could have, he could have easily made way too much money um, that, that summer. Like it's it's uh, Zach Parise choosing this to be the team that he wants to try to win the Stanley Cup with. Like that is very telling of a very that they that the it's almost like an extra player. The unity of the locker room is an extra player. It's an it it like it keeps it's it's like a it gives the bench that much more legs when shit is like down and they absolutely need to be perfect. They're able to nail it seemingly more and more. The more the guys have gotten healthy and gotten back into the lineup and they've been the Islander Islanders because it's like, you know, if Barzi's here, Holmstrom gets to be on the third line, which is what I think it's a good place for him to be now. And it might be the place that he always will be because it's really he's clearly a very smart player but you know um it's hard to tell what his actual product like productive value will be offensively but he'd get to be down and like if you had that like if if barzal was healthy brock prayers up prayers up for our, our shit talking king um you know i i don't know i i uh we're running long here. I want to, I, I want to, um, we do have, I, I want us to touch on the, the Toronto. We, we talked specifically about last night's beauty against the Leafs. Uh, you go first. Yeah. So I was at the game last night and it was probably my favorite UBS game so far. I think just shit kicking the Leafs. I was at both seven goal games. So I saw a score seven on Anaheim earlier this year when it was still like, ah, these guys are going to Uh, they wound up stinking, uh, the ducks in that case. And then I've now been at both the Sorokin major stick, uh, or yeah, stick save games where he's been able to stretch the paddle and make a nice. save of his life. So I went to the one at MSG against the Rangers, uh, last year, but this one had so much more stakes on it. And it was just awesome seeing the depth explode last night. Um, you know, Brock and hurt. That was bad vibes to our UBS arena. No penalty. Then, uh, then uh, Marner dives across the crease like Bobby Orr. Just really, 
painful, stupid, like just NFL officiating in the bag. And I kept looking up at the press box and I saw those uh, Toronto media guys smiling and waving up there. And then like we kept going, we were able to draw a power play. Just awesome. Absolutely awesome performance though in the second and third from the Islanders. Uh, Sorokin at the peak of his powers, UBS fans going, having a little bit of fun. Uh, the first time I've ever felt like everyone at UBS besides the Maple Leafs fans were having fun. A jersey got thrown on the ice for Toronto. Cal Clutterbuck decided to unretire in front of our eyes, so that was sick. Just hell of a time. How about you? How, how was your experience at the game? I mean, yeah, I, I was there too. It it was it was fucking awesome. Like like I I think that because that that was a big that was a big game because okay because if if they if they lost that game, then the energy around the team is. They're, they're, they're not clearing. Um, they're not giving themselves, uh, any, any space now. And their only wins recently have been against shitty teams. Like that would be the, the mantra. So there's a lot, I think there's a lot literally in the standings. And I think like for the, the standings, uh, long-term, like, like, like the energy of the team and how, cause if, if they miss the playoffs this year, narratives the the narratives are going to be uh, at least at least plausible enough that you can't uh, be surprised by them anymore so they need to make the playoffs and uh the, like the fact the fact of like last night to me felt like a very much like a proving moment especially when Brock got hurt you know like i thought i thought it was one of those things where what was nice, the energy was great to your point. Like that was, I think, probably some of the best energy, maybe the best energy of, of a UBS game so far. And uh even when they were down, it wasn't like people did weren't panicking. I I you never really felt like in the first period. I I don't think we ever got to the like overbearing boo birds. And I think part of it was the Sorokin save lifted the crowd. Like watching that happen and then after that i think everybody everybody was like you know what i think i think you know this is just one goal i think i think we're we can relax for a little bit and uh yeah that that second period explosion just felt like uh i don't know the the fact of them doing it after brock got hurt was or no did did he get hurt after the uh they tied it he got hurt before they tied it. Before Toronto even had a goal, if I remember correctly. Let me just double check that. I, thought, I thought, yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty early in the game. It was. It was right at the end of the second, right before Marner took the penalty, and that was like, okay, things are spiraling. Toronto's gonna have that night because, like, if, if you recall, like the night before that, or the last time they played us, they looked like the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah. Like they were just putting. Yeah, Toronto had one nothing at the injury, uh, but they were just putting pucks over our defense and like slamming them in on. I think it was Elliot at the time. Uh, just like awful stuff and just for us to be able to run up the score and get the energy back I know those uh 91 games always have something special in them but it was just such a cool moment man yeah I mean and, and you know it's it's one of those things where I think I think it does matter like the, the the thing that's funny about like the there's many things that are funny about the media the sanctimony of of the media and and hockey twitter in general hockey social media in and pretending that the Islanders booing a former player is a unique thing. It's in general weird because it's like that happens in sports all the time. Just because we were superlative at it, can't hold that against us. If anything, gives us the right 
So shut the fuck up. Beyond that, it also clearly matters to the players. I think it every time they play the Leafs, it clearly matters to them. Because in the few times they've lost to the Leafs in, in this era, it's usually been a pretty lopsided game. And, it, and that's because maybe the emotion was a little too hot and, and they couldn't, they couldn't get themselves on track, but you're what you watch the game last night. Like a lot of chippy, a lot of like Pelic was uncharacteristically very physical. I'm not sure if you, if you, if you picked up on that, but I was like, all right, this like clearly this matters to a lot of the guys in that, in that room still like, and, and I think Clutterbuck, yeah, you know, Undertaker memeing, popping out of the casket last night. Like, especially that that second goal, that's the clutter buckle. Like, that's the, he's coming up, he's coming up, and he shoots it in stride, and it's, like, one of the most beautiful shots you've ever seen in your life. Like, him him stepping up big in that game is, is fucking humongous. No, absolutely enormous. And it's it's all the guys that were there, like the first time, you know. I know, um, let's see, it was I mean Zach started the party, Simon started the party. So there's like the residual guys, but the fact that Cal and Lee were both there the first like game against ninety one, uh, the you know, one that will live in Islanders history end of February two thousand and nineteen, I believe. But yeah, no, that game's gonna live in Islanders lore forever and these guys show up. I really think, like, just from a captain's perspective, Anders Lee didn't get to experience 2021. He got to experience 2020, but that was weird because of, you know, the whole global pandemic thing. I don't know if anyone remembers that. I've heard of it. Um, Yeah, I've heard of it a couple times. But, like, Anders Lee being able to, like, finally be in the driver's seat, be the captain leading us to the playoffs um, for the first time since 2019. Because in 2020, they were about to fall off a cliff when, you know, um, extenuating circumstances saved the season, but um, yeah, no, it's it was awesome to see Lee get one at the end there. People look in their own end. Noah had probably one of the worst Noah moments that history is going to bail him out of. Um, that kind of breakaway, I think, in the second period on the power play, that was that was one of the worst ones he's had yet. So actually, I think to me that moment that's one of the few low moments, and I think this is a very niche podcast so let's hyper focus on that as we as we start to yeah to round around the bend here that play was actually in my opinion more on horvet because he tried to do the thing where he pulled up he pulled up draw in a guy to then back back pass it to uh to dobson but he he put it on the wrong side of dobson dobson tried to then catch it and uh that's where where Kampf got it was Kampf that had the uh the uh the yeah the takeaway is it Kampf or Kampf I think it's Kampf yeah Kampf a little loaded little little too German there because of the yeah the the whole um, situation yeah no I don't I've um um but fuck that that really that that took me off my <laughs> my, my, my game. All good. No, I, I understand what you mean on the no moment. I mean, oh, I, oh, I think... oh, that, that being that being on Bo, sorry, the, yeah. the, the point is that that, in my opinion, being on Bo, like I thought last night, part of what made last night impressive is that I think for the most part, last night was the first like capital B bad game by Horvat um, as an Islander. I kind of agree. He was responsible enough defensively. I think, you know, he's been Islander-fied. His, his PDO went down the drain. 
uh, recently, but reckless puck. I just so there was just some reckless puck management yeah, decisions no, I, that, I, that I thought. And and if Brock, ho- ho- hopefully he's fine. But if Brock if Brock is out any amount of time, you know they they need they need Horvat to, um, be more offensive. And part of that is he's also going to have to be better defensively too. And it's a lot to ask him. And the other thing is he's been asked to wear so many hats, and he I he I think. Overall, in the totality of workload, it's it's been awesome. But it's just like, okay, if Brock is out any amount of time here, Bo has to step up because literally they traded the one reinforcement they could have in a situation for him. Yeah, and the well, the number one and number two with Ratu and you know the double we didn't know the first round pick, which now yeah. is in Detroit's hands. But uh, the thing to say about Horvat last night is, but he was double and triple shift. I know the analytics hated him last night, and I even got a couple strays from Oilers fans for some reason on Twitter. The Oilers Nation decided to go, "Haha, you made the Horvat trade," which was very strange. In my Stay mind. out of it. I know. You're like, go away, get 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 lost, guys. Go. Get Stuart a job. Skinner is your better goalie. I know it's incredible. Okay, yeah. just don't no eye contact. Yeah, no, I, I messed with one of them, and then a bunch of them came to defend him, and I was just like, "Yep, nope, dipping out." But Horvat did play more defense, more minutes than any of our defensemen last night with the double shifts like he was there all night and uh you know he took a whoop and hopefully he takes three days now and refocuses and you know nothing nothing better than little johnny in columbus to put up some bow burgers on like i'd i'd absolutely i the bane of my existence that weird little man who chose columbus in the flip-flops uh johnny johnny regular season hockey uh they're calling him um lock him up uh so yeah, like that's a nice segue um, to you know the the next four games, Columbus on Friday. Um, I am going to be at the watch party that's going on at uh, Catch in Astoria. Come through if you want to uh, talk and watch the game, but don't like you know, don't be annoying. Like know when to talk and know when when to shut the fuck up. Let me watch the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, come through. That's gonna be fun. Uh, Blue Jackets, and then the 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 Sabers the next night. I hate I hate the back to back less than twenty four hour between puck drop. I I I feel like that is abhorrent. I don't know why that's been a thing twice this season. Yeah. No the clue. I, they're trying to schedule more like regional back to backs and stuff. They said before the year, but it's it's been nonsensical at points, especially with us having to play like Detroit at noon and stuff like. Um, and now Buffalo at 5 p.m. Like that's gonna stink. No one wants that. It's people are still doing St. Patrick's Day parades outside, and the Islanders have to come off a of back-to-back against a pretty feeble Sabers team at this point. But yeah, that might be that might be dagger time. That might be the final the final stab. Um, the last charge of the Buffalo Monday uh, against the Devils. What which would might be a preview for either round one or two, depending on how the, the division race shakes out there. This could be, and and I think this would be. It's a. It really is a nice teaser trailer because, like, they know they both know that, and there's stakes in it for both of them. That's going to be a fucking huge game, um, and then uh, a week from today, the wash. They'll be in Washington. By then, I wonder if Washington might even be like that. Might be another if they're not statistically eliminated. The Islanders could could deal that blow. So. Because I'm 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 planning on recording between that and the uh, the the lightning game because I'm gonna miss both those games because of WrestleMania, um, 
So uh, obviously, again, I mean, it's been redundant, but six out of eight, get six out of eight anyway, especially anyway, especially because they have the regulation win tiebreaker um, on Pittsburgh. Get the, now it's at like six points any any of the ways, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, so what about you? How you, how you seeing it? Uh, I might actually join you on my story. I've actually, uh, last weekend we celebrated my birthday and me and uh, happy birthday, you, Bill. uh, but me and my girlfriend have been going to the Canuck down, uh, downtown in Manhattan a lot recently, nice, nice. uh, watching the Islanders games there, which I, I really like that place. But I mean, you know, nice change of pace Friday. Maybe I'll join you on the story. Uh, yeah. Um, if, you, if you watch on weeknights, I'd be down to pop, pop by on the way home from work. Yeah. It's real close to the path and also work nights. Maybe, maybe Monday for the devil's game or something. We could catch that. Um, but I'll be there. Oh, you're going to be there on Monday. I'm going to be there actually both Saturday, Saturday and Monday. Actually. Yeah. Oh, you're going up. Oh no, it's home. It's home. We have yeah. to come. Cause when I first looked at, it, I was like, okay, Columbus, you can make it from Ohio to Buffalo in like two hours. That makes sense. But then I was like, wait, no, they have to fly back. Yeah. And then they have to get settled in, put their stuff down, pick their sticks up, take a nap, doing all the calculus there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for the rest of the games uh, going the rest of the way through. But this feels like should be six, might be five, might be four. Um, just going to, you know, tonight's a big night for Mike's team. I know uh, this will probably go up after it's already happened, but we need a big win for Mike's Avalanche. So well, let's go Avs, baby. I saw that was on the dockets and I was like, oh, all right. Uh, corporate Mike over in Europe is going to be loving that one. Uh, hopefully the our no comment. Stars. No, yeah, comment. No, no comment. No, no yeah, comment so. from me. I'm 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 invoking the Fifth Amendment. Um, yeah. Before we uh, close out here, though, I did have a question for you. Um, yes, just a little yes. wrestle talk to end the pod. Okay. Okay. Uh, you've seemed to be in the bag for uh, Vincent Candy Man, uh, Vincent Candy Man, and Triple H's WWE, the Cerebral Assassin, there's them himself. Are you more of an AEW guy at this point or WWE? Uh, I think I think it's. I think right now it's WWE um, because WWE right now to me, this is probably the best it's ever going to be because it's going to be sold soon. So it's not going to be as like intentionally wrestler run as it is right now. Like this is like, and it, it happening like Triple H getting from SummerSlam to now that is that's everything. He got to basically do a season of wrestling. And like, this is kind of the culmination. We're never going to get a moment like this again, I, I think. Because if, if the sale is as, is as imminent as they, not quasi-imminent as they say it is, like, I think, I mean, it, it's easier to enjoy that more because it's like, okay, I'm getting everything out of this that I think this can be. And with AEW, I think it hasn't been what my idea of it is at the same time the essence of aew inherently invites shit like this where you end up in weird bunks because it it, it the entire thing is wrestling oriented all the time and or wrestler oriented and it and it, it gets messy because it's a messy industry like it's a messy company. The messiness annoys the fuck out of me, but like the, what it comes like the, the high end performances have been carrying enough that now that you're starting to see Hobbs, you know, like Hobbs get, get some momentum. Um, I think FTR 
is going to stay. I think I, I think there's no reason they bring him them back if if they weren't going to stay. Um, so I think I think there's like good stuff around the corner for AEW, and that's kind of the point of AEW. But it, it's it's still just been a little bit too. Uh, they haven't they haven't fully recovered from Brawl Out, which is just I don't I I think CM Punk might come back, and that's another thing is like I think they might bring him back because they kind of need him for the ratings, and then they do that it'll get messier. And I just like, what will, what will it be then? So I'm almost like bracing myself for, I'm letting myself not be too committed to AEW right now. So that way I can, um, it softens the blow of, of falling out of love. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I'm always going to be an AEW guy through and through. WWE is having like a 1991 style year where they're telling the Hogan Elizabeth story in front of everyone, except there's like, Six people in the Macho Man Hogan Elizabeth story, and say it's compelling and great TV. We're gonna talk. There's about like five different storylines. Yeah, in that inter- storyline and beautifully intertwined. And it's all great. Um, the the turnoff for me there, obviously, being Uncle Howdy. Um, just not a fan of all that and the Bray Wyatt nonsense, which is back on the shelf. Makes my WrestleMania viewing a little more enjoyable. Uh, I've never been a Bray Wyatt guy. I just think he's very uh, very gimmick centric. Never in the ring uh, would be kind of the my take on Bray or at least for the past like four or five years um, yeah. since he came back the first time. But then like, I guess with AEW at this point, I'm just like starting to really enjoy it again. Cause they are getting that kind of mentality back us against the world. Like every time there's an AEW show on some weird nerd that has a blue check mark on wrestling Twitter is going to be like, Oh, too much blood or, Oh, I don't understand that finish. And then you just kind of let the story play on They're They're still pushing some of the younger guys. And tonight we get Kenny versus Viking Illegalo. Uh, that's going to be uh fucking awesome oh like, i forgot so that it's tonight yeah, i know oh no. hell yeah hopefully they give him a half hour oh, and uh man. it's gonna be so sick and we'll also hear from the baby yeah. man as I'm yeah, the, now. the delta eight is also just like my my brain's vibrating right now so the fact that like 20 minutes from now i'm gonna be watching some some good grappling hell yeah uh, um moxley against like they, they are kind of getting the vibes back i think they're getting the elite all united now so that when punk comes back he can come back as a heel uh, take them out one by one, whatever they do next. I, I'm in the camp that you can do all elite wrestling without the elite. I've, I have no time for the young bucks anymore. I have a lot of time for Kenny Omega. Long, um, long, long term. If we get to a, a punk page feud again, holy shit. I think, I think it, it tracks if that I, there's a very plausible chance for that to fucking be insane, insane TV. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be incredible. I'm I'm excited. I mean, the injury times are running out now. Like, we're kind of hanging the other side. AEW starting the new year, but we're finally getting the either. I think are you you going to AEW at UBS? Have you decided yet? Uh, I I believe that is the night that I am flying to Peru. Ooh, yes. Nice. If, if if my if my fiance's uh, uh, passport arrives uh, on time, everybody wish us good vibes. Mm-hmm. For that, we pay for it to be expedited. It seems like it's going to be a, it's going to be a close goal line situation. Well, if there's one place better than AEW uh, at UBS that's going to be definitively better, it'll be Peru. But I'm wondering if they'll do the four way there. I mean, MJF will probably be on the card for all the pillars going up against him. Just, just really cool stuff. Um, you know, still enjoying some of the Jericho stuff. Depends on your mileage with that, but it's it just top to bottom. I'm, I'm wearing my Blackpool Combat Club hoodie right now, ready to go for a run because this company is like, you know, just so much fun, and they just came off such a great pay per view that 
I think, you know, we're hitting the peak with this kind of war here. Like whoever wins is going to revisionist history, this part to like, Oh, it wasn't that great, but you know, it's, it's been really good on both ends and I'm, I'm just kind of having fun watching wrestling and being a fan right now. So my final thought on, on that is just that like what you said, uh, uh, like the concept of AEW reaching its peak, the essence of AEW is really like, it's, it is so artistically, it sounds up its own ass, but it is. I mean, it literally, it very much is. It. And that's not a bad thing. It makes it, that's what makes it unique. On some level, it's like, I, I think sometimes where I struggle with AEW is those parts that falter, it's hard to, um, I think it's like aesthetic. It's like, are you able to, it's like, it's like with, with um, it's like newfound glory. Some people, they love the music, but they can't stand Jordan Jordan's voice. And that's that's it. Like I think with AEW, the way it exists is there's there's gonna be aspects of it that just like aren't for everybody. And there's gonna be different parts of them that aren't for everybody. Um, but it, there's a lot of like it has a lot of niches to it. And I just uh it's hard it's hard to know how much cohesion and expectation, period, can you have or should you have for something if you want it to maintain that kind of wild canvas you know yeah absolutely like it is and it's stretched too thin i mean rampage is kind of like you know very bottom of the barrel tv at this point and uh they're looking at a third show and they have a behind the scenes like it is oversaturated but the weekly dynamite viewing sign me up every week brother that's great um you know we, i think we can just say uh fuck fuck james reimer you dopey idiot okay um and uh it, it, it's nice to nice to see you get lit up you piece of shit um enemies for life um th- but thanks for losing for the leafs in 2013 mm-hmm. it's great we're able to mock their their people on twitter and tease them and bother them about it um thank you for giving us that ammunition um but uh got anything to plug on your way out no, uh, if you made it this far, listen to Skates at the Stakes, the podcast uh, on Twitter at Skates and Stakes with the letter N in the middle there. Uh, personal Twitter is Rat Martin. If you aren't following me already, follow me by now. Uh, you know, my co-hosts of the podcast, AJ and Jake, are also great follows. And, you know, keep listening to this podcast. Wonderful stuff. It's been great. Uh, Y'all know where to find us on Twitter because you're listening to this. You know, Mike's in a band called Crypto Dira, and he's got a podcast called The Juice. I'm in a band called Career Day. Just, you, that's the whole thing. So um, if you like us, try those things too. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, let's fucking go Islanders. <laughs>